0: Sunday night. Still on Grace. Okay. Um, last week we started looking at vessels. You know, we were looking at willing vessels, some not so willing vessels, some, some um, who uh, were just the very most super duper and we talked about Stephen and Philip, And just to wait tables... It was required that they be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then on top of that, people had their lay their hands on them to impart another anointing, so that they were equipped to wait tables. Um, it, the word is diaconia, where you get the word deacon from. Church has taken the word deacon and made it something it never was meant to be. You know, it, it, a deacon it was actually in the early church; it was just a gopher. A glorified gopher, you know, running errands and doing whatever was needed to do, waiting tables, serving the poor. That's what it was. But in that ministry, in that stand that they were called to, all of the charismata were evident. They were getting people healed and seeing miracles all over the place, Stephen and Philip were. Um, And um, um, even some of the manifestations of Charismata that that are not listed, which happen to be like being translated from one place to another. Philip,
1: yeah. you
0: know, was translated from one place to another. That's um, like a beam me up Scotty moment. And um, he was transported from one place to another. And all of that is the manifestation of grace in our lives. And um, we should never think of those manifestations as being the possible, but always the impossible. Things that, that you and I can't do. If we could do them, then what's the point in the grace? What's the point in the charismata? There isn't. So when you when we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need to uh, be mindful that what we're talking about here is supernatural enablement. Not just, you know, not just making what we have better, but but giving us enablements that we don't have in ourselves. Um, so we were going to start this week by looking at Peter. So go to Acts chapter 10. Peter, you know, and the importance here is, is that we are just a vessel. And the Holy Spirit wants to be able to use us however he wants. Um, I've been reading a book. Some of it has made me really uncomfortable. It's uh, The Shifting Shadows of the Supernatural, I think is the name of the book. Mm -hmm. But it made me uncomfortable because um, in the first part of the book this author refers to you know uses the phrase my ministry my church my calling my and 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 that makes me uncomfortable because it isn't mine I'm a vessel the vessel doesn't own what's in it the vessel is just the container of what's in it the owner of the vessel determines what the vessel is used for so um I was. I also picked up Jim Symbalis' book again and started rereading. Um, boy, if you if you want to read good books, read his books. Mm-hmm. Jim Symbalis, C Y M B A L L A. He is the pastor of uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle, and um, and right away in his books. In fact, I, the, uh, one of the stories he tells is like being at a pastors' conference, and everybody's talking about what is your vision for your church. You know, and he says, I don't have a vision. He said, It isn't my church. He said Jesus has a vision for his church. I'm just the one there to help carry it out. You know, and I'm thinking, now there's the heart of a vessel. That's the heart of a vessel. And when you keep your heart there, then you don't limit yourself to anything. It's also much less stressful. Yeah, it is. It's not my job. Right, it's not my (laughs) church. It's not that's exactly right. And, um so when you and I start to think about this, you know and and how it works, we just need to be open and ready, you know and and not ready for the possible, but ready for the impossible, and that's kind of where our faith falls is we you know it's real comfortable to think about the possible and doing it better. But it's another thing to think about the impossible, and that's what that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings to it is the impossible things that you and I could never do within ourselves. Um, if anything that we do that looks like it is only a shadow of what the Holy Spirit can do, and um, so when we're looking at vessels, we need to look at sold-out vessels, and that's what we should be completely sold-out vessel. Period. Um, Peter. I love Peter, but you know he was a—he's a reticent vessel. Let me just say it like that. He—he he is a, hes a headstrong man. <clears throat> not like Paul headstrong. Paul was another kind of stubborn, but um, he was a headstrong man, and his heart was always in the right place. But like Jesus would tell him Peter, the flesh is willing, you know. I mean, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And uh, so Peter had a little problem with that. He was willing but when he would figure out what he was supposed to be doing then that's what he's supposed to be doing and he would figure it out. So his understanding was he was sent to the Jews, a vessel to the Jews to evangelize them. Okay. Well one day he's up on the roof of a house and he has this vision. Right? You remember the story. And the sheet comes down with all these unclean animals in it and God said it's good to eat. Peter, being the non-resident, retic- I mean being the reticent vessel says, I don't think so. That was just my imagination. That that could not have come from the Lord. And so the Lord had to drop the sheet again. And he said, Peter, these are all clean. And Peter's going, mm, mm, no, no, no. So it took the third time before Peter finally went, well, okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> so on the third time, and that's where we're going to pick up, Peter is pondering it. He didn't even just go okay. He has to. Thinking he's thinking about it. about it. Yeah. So I like that because I do that too. I go, let me think about that, Lord, before you take me off somewhere. I got to think it over, you know. And so that's what Peter was doing. Um, look at verse sixteen in Acts ten. <coughs> this was done thrice. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, <laughs> I just love it. While well, Peter doubted in himself <laughs> what this vision, which he had seen, should mean, it wasn't that he was wondering what it means. He was doubting about it. He wasn't. He wasn't certain about this at all. He's going no. You know, he's still a man of the law. His flesh is still under the law. He hasn't gotten grace like Paul got it. So he was doubting even then after the visions. Um, And then Cornelius' men show up. And they take him off to a Roman soldier's house. And he goes. So, from that standpoint, you know, God says somebody's going to come and get you. When they come, you go. He did that without question. But even in the middle of that, Peter still had trouble with the meat thing. You know, um, I think by the time he got there and started teaching Cornelius's family, and before he could even finish, they were all speaking in tongues and and baptizing the Holy Spirit. I think that was the confirmation that he needed that he could sit down at Cornelius's table and eat. But um, even at that, he was a bit of a reticent vessel. Um, thank goodness he went and that he was obedient. And um, the reason I show you Peter is because. Um, You know, Peter was already sold out lock, stock, and barrel. He'd already preached the sermon that got 3,000 saved the first first day out of the shoot. It wasn't like he was um, old hat at this. But this idea of ministering to Gentiles was a wonder to him. So what Peter's lesson was in this is God's grace... Falls where the giver chooses, not where Peter chooses. God's grace falls where the giver chooses, and um, sometimes I think we need to hear that. Um, Because um, you know, just like prison ministry, and I know not everybody, you know, is called to do that, but. when you just talk to people and they go, "Oh my gosh, you go into the jails," that would just be hopeless. You know, I, I, have, I haven't voiced it like that quite until I started studying this, but that's what I have learned is grace falls where the giver chooses. Um, I have no right to decide who
1: mm-hmm.
0: gets that grace. I'm a vessel. So wherever I go, that grace is going to show up. And that grace is going to fall wherever our heart's open to receive it. And um, I, that has been such a good experience for me in that I have learned. I mean, you know, Jeff kind of alluded to it today in his sermon when he's talking about the lepers. Mm-hmm. You know, that grace falls wherever the giver wants it to fall. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, it, it's just one of those powerful lessons that Peter had to learn. Because, I mean, even a little bit later he's out hanging with Paul. With the Gentiles. I mean, with, yeah, with Paul, with the Gentiles. And he's doing good, eating at the table, eating everything, and all of a sudden a bunch of Jewish people show up. <laughs> and all of a sudden he goes right back under the law again. And Paul had to call him out, embarrass him in front of everybody. You know, God bless Paul. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he's going, What kind of vessel are you, Peter? Just put the lid on the sucker yourself. You decided what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. You're not going to eat with them now. And um, <clears throat> we tend to do that and we just got to stop it because the more wide open we are the more um, uh, free we are in that power the more God can manifest himself in in really powerful ways. Paul was another one and we've talked about Paul over and over again but of all the men out there Paul's the one that really got grace. I mean here he was a religious man But in his fervency for the law, he was out there murdering Christians, you know, and rounding up families, whole families, and putting them in prison. And um, to be able to go back into those same communities again and preach the gospel to them, knowing what he'd done to their families, he could not hang on to condemnation. You know, he had to be that open, willing vessel. And he did go back to the Jewish people first, and then he would go to um, the, uh, the Gentiles. But he always, you know, God called him to go to the Gentiles. But he was a willing vessel. He would go to the Jews, and they'd throw him out of the synagogue, and then he would go to the Gentiles. But he was always a willing vessel, and it was always, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit in me. Or I wanted to go, but the Holy Spirit won't let me. Um, that's a sold-out vessel, mm-hmm. you know. So, what do those men have in common? First of all, they are all baptized in the Holy Spirit and continually filled over and over and over again, so that the rivers of living water were flowing out of them, fresh every day. Second of all, they were obedient to whatever God wanted them to do. Um, and, you know, Stephen didn't say, "Okay." Where's the person called to heal over here? I'm a table waiter. I can't do it. Where's the person with the healing ministry? You know, When somebody was sick, he just went up and ministered and the person was healed because he's a vessel that was being used in whatever way. Um, So they were obedient to do whatever God wanted them to do. And then the last is they were great bushings. Um, The grace and its benefits were continually manifested in their lives. First of all because they expected it. And second of all, because they were willing vessels. You know, they didn't try to control it, manipulate it, gin it up themselves. They were simply a vessel. And God was able to use them. They were wide open without any preconceived notions. But every time there was a preconceived notion, there'd be a problem. And um, God had to work those out of Peter and, and uh, even Paul. You know, Paul had his moments. He and Barnabas blew up at each other. And Paul kicked Mark out you know because he was a immature homesick baby and Peter and Paul didn't have time for that as it turns out Mark wrote the gospel of mark you know I mean who knew and um and he
1: laid
0: that's of him as yes as his as his son yeah and um but you know he had his moments too of being that unwilling vessel um they were all called or invited to service but not one of those men said, My ministry, my calling. Even Paul, you know, Paul says, Well, the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus called me to the Gentiles. But I'm gonna go wherever the Holy Spirit tells me to go or not go. Um, you know, it's not my ministry and I don't pick out what Gentiles I go to see. I'm still waiting on the Lord. So not a one of them referred to that. And um where I never noticed it before, it makes me uncomfortable now. And I, I don't like for people to say, Well what are your giftings? Um okay you know you get on facebook and they always have those 10 question quizzes like what disney character would you be right mm-hmm. so well, they had one on gifting the other day and i thought okay i'm going to take that little quiz and see what was there you know i mean they're so generic you could be it i mean <laughs> you can answer them any way and you, i think it's just roulette whatever comes up comes up and i think people go wow that's so accurate because they're all very complimentary and you go, that's me, that's me, that's me. We fail to look at the stuff that, that we are that's not listed there. <laughs> you know, so we go, oh man, that is so accurate. But um, yeah, it's, it's a wrong thing to do. It, it, isn't, it isn't our gifting, except for the Holy Spirit. He's ours and we're His. Um, the, the, the whole key to it, and, the, and this is um, Mahesh Shabda, who is a, he's a prophet. In in, um, a little bit of a clip that I read, you know, that he wrote, that was that was his biggest thing. He said, "Humility is the most important thing. Being humble before the Lord, you know, not picking up any of it in yourself. Always just being humble before the Lord." And James confirms that. James says, you know, he gives grace to the willing, humble. He gives more grace to the humble. And um, so we need to be really uh, careful about our heart attitude. Um, So now we're going to just start talking about getting organized. Look at the body. Get the whole thing organized scripturally. Um, So go, we're going to start in Romans and um, 1 Corinthians, those two.
1: Uh,
0: Romans 12. and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians there's also a list in Ephesians um, but what in all of these what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll go there too and and all of these are letters that Paul writes he's trying to get people to understand that the body of Christ is one unit we're not discussing What do you want to say? We're not disconnected parts. We're one unit. Every part of the body depends on the other parts of the body. Okay? And um, not one is more important than the other. Some are more visible than others. Your hands and your feet and your head are very visible to everybody. Um people notice your hands cuz you're going to stick your hand out to say hello and shake hands. People notice your hands. People notice your head cuz they want to see what you look like. Shoes, women look at feet. We always go cute shoes, you know. Where we're feet lookers. But, you know, I don't know if men look at feet or not, but you know that those are obvious. Legs and feet are there. And if somebody showed up without legs and feet, you would notice it right away. You know. <laughs> those are things that are obvious. But you know what? None of those things work without a heart or a liver, you know. None of those things will function without lungs. You can't see the heart and the lungs and the liver. But the hands are useless if those suckers aren't working, you know. If the blood's not pumping through the whole body, there's not a cell in your body that's gonna function. You know, it 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 isn't that one is more important than the other. In the church, I think um, and I think it's a lot because and I'm blessed by it. Christian TV so blesses me because mm-hmm. I mean I've gotten fed a lot from it, but we get um, we get a, a preconceived notion you know that some people are very prominent, more prominent than others, more important than others. Not so. They just stick out more like the hand stick out, you know more than your back. People aren't seeing your back, but your back's important. Without a backbone, you couldn't even stand up, right? So um, we, we, we fail to look at each other as part of one. We, we tend to exalt one part above another. We tend to um, put, put more on one part than another. You know, and one part of the body says, "Okay, I'll do everything," since you're not doing anything, and nothing functions well. And and honestly, if you look at the body, nothing's functioning very well. You know, we're not a powerful force in this world, um, not like we were. Now, in in third world countries, we are. It's amazing um, the movement of Christianity there. Not not denominations, but Christianity. Period. Um, but here we're to learn it I think and um, we have really kind of gotten we've just lost some things. So we need to get the whole body organized here and get it all um, set up according to the fact that the whole body is a vessel. You know that, that belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us and we're not allowed to run it. Okay, We're responsible for our own raw material but we don't run the whole body. And um, we need to trust the Holy Spirit to keep it all flowing because that's the lifeblood of the body. All right, let's just look at these scriptures that have to do with organization of the body. And after we've read all of them, then we're going to go back and try to sort this out. Okay, first, let's see, Romans chapter 12, start with verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice um, holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is your reasonable service in other words, take your hands off of your own vessel give it to the Lord that's what you do, you are a vessel, a living vessel Um, Paul says uh, in uh, in Corinthians, he says, you know, we, we have treasure in this earthen vessel so that the vessel can't brag that it's all power of God. So, you are the vessel, so be that living sacrifice, a bushing. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me that every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. All of us have the same measure of faith. It's been dealt to everybody. It's enough faith to get us saved and it's enough faith to do to, to move mountains if the faith is in the right place and exercised. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one another having then gifts and that word is charisma having then the benefits of the presence of grace in our lives the presence of the Holy Spirit differing according to the grace that's given to us whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportions of faith ministry let us wait on our ministering or he that teaches on teaching or he that exhorts on exhortation and he that gives let him do it with simplicity and he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. That word with um, and the word in and on, those are all the same little word and it literally means instrumentally. We're just the instrument. So if you're prophesying do it as an instrument being used by the Lord. You know, and if you're teaching, do it as an instrument, so that the Lord can teach through you. If you're giving, do it as an instrument with simplicity. You know, let the Lord tell you what to give, and then you just do it. Just be that vessel. That's what you do. Um, you you know, let love be without dissemination, without hypocrisy. Um, abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. Okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12.
1: I thought you said Ephesians.
0: Well, we're going to go to Ephesians next. 1 Corinthians 12 and then Ephesians 4. We're just going to kind of peruse through it. Start with verse um, 12 in in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. For as the body is one and has many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. You know, Jesus said, when you drink of that spirit, rivers of living water will flow out of your belly. For the body is not one member, but many. If if the foot shall say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say because I'm not the eye I'm not of the body is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing where's the smelling? But now God set the members and and underline that God has set the members. We're just a vessel. He has set the vessels. Every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. It's just so huge. He has set us in the body as it pleased him. You know, every one of us around this table is so different, so unique, so wonderful. And God wrote that script with a very special plan in mind. And it might not even seem like a big plan. You know, like the the gizzard and a bird. It seems like the most unpleasing pleasing organ but you know what I like gizzards. You know if there was no other reason for a bird to have a gizzard I like them. They taste good you know. Yeah you know but you you know I mean it, what I'm saying is, is there is nothing that is not important in the body and um, God has set you there because he knows your sphere of influence. He knows where where you have contact with people. He knows what he put in you to do for a living for you know for purpose in your life and he fully intends for wherever he has put you you to be that vessel so he can do what he needs to do through (coughs) you and he fully intends for you to expect him to do things through you I think that's our trouble we don't always expect you know we don't confidently expect him to really do stuff through us you know we just we don't we need to because boy he will Um, Ron can certainly attest to that. When you just take your vessel and show up, you've had some real adventures, haven't you? Over the years. You never know what you're going to end up doing. Okay, back to verse 19. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now they are many members and yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Um, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. Our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together Having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. In, in, in other words, it, there isn't one part more important than another or less important than another. Every part has a job to do, and that's it. Okay, we tend to want to exalt some in the body and ignore some in the body. Um, but but all of it is important. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. Now, um, that word he has set some literally means he has established and set forth and affirmed some, and that some is not people but offices. He has established and ordered the body the way he wants it, and he has set some offices in the body that basically give you the outline of what the body looks like. Is it, you know, Hands, feet, head give you an idea of what the body looks like. Kind of gives you the idea of the gingerbread man, right? Um, and that's the outline, but that's not the whole body. And they're not any more important than the rest of the body, but that's just the way it looks to the world when the world sees the body of Christ. There are some things that are visible, and a lot that isn't. But it doesn't mean that one thing's more important than another. Okay? So he has set some offices in the body. He's designed this body and planned it so that there are some offices, positions of ministry. But they're given to the body, not to an individual person. Then God has attached special anointings to different positions in the body. Even diaconia, even little table waiters had a special supernatural anointing that was imparted to them by the laying on of hands. They were already baptized in the Holy Spirit but when they went to be deacons to serve tables the body laid hands on them again to impart another another anointing on them. Um, So what happens is, is the positions are set and God moves the vessels where he needs them. I mean, I I think about men like Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland. These are all names we know. You know, they started out called pastors, but God moved them from pastors into teachers, into evangelists, into uh, healers. He took them out of that Frank. You know, uh, uh, Dr. Graham was a pastor, but look at what God moved him right into evangelism. Um, Oral Roberts. Lord, we just cover that siren in the blood of Jesus right now. I just I cover the emergency people that are going out. Lord, firemen, policemen, um, medics, whatever's being called out father we cover them and we ask that you be around them and keep them safe as they go and come i rebuke fear i take authority over fear and anxiety and the people that are in trouble lord and i just speak you as lord over the situation what the enemy would mean for death we speak life over and victory and uh, lord we just ask for a supernatural testimony um, to your grace in that situation thank you father amen, amen. You know, as long as we lived in town, I never you just never get used to that. you know It's just such an eerie sound, you know it is. It's kind of neat you know, when you think about that. Anybody that's a prayer warrior, immediately you hear the sirens and prayer goes up, which is so awesome. Um, I don't know that a lot of towns have that, but it's just it's just such a blessing when you think about that. Okay. In the birdwalk. Um go to Ephesians Chapter Four. Okay. All right, start with verse one. <clears throat> I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That word vocation is invitation. So he's saying, wherever you are invited by the Holy Spirit to be in the body, walk in that place. Don't go walking over in the hand if you're the eye, right? He says, wherever you're called, you walk there. Be faithful to it. With all lowliness and meekness, see there it is, in humility with long suffering forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit and you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the charismata, that means all of the manifestations of Christ. Okay? So we're all given that grace according to the measure of the charismata in Christ, which means it's abundant, it's supernatural, and it's beyond anything you and I can think it isn't you're given this little bit and you're given that little bit all of the charisma all of the manifestations all of the benefits of the holy spirit belongs to the whole body and what you need where you are is what what the holy spirit's going to provide for you you don't ever have to worry about going into any situation and not be prepared it'll worth. be there hmm it's personal thank you it is personal it's very personal exactly Therefore he says when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts, charismata unto men. Now that he ascended what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some and again it's the same Greek words He established, he set in place some, not people, but he established and set and affirmed offices. And these are the offices, apostles, prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And the reason they're there is for this for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body, fitting, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual work in the measure of every part, and makes increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Okay. So those, those gifts, those um charismata. Those callings give you an outline for the body. Okay? And and they're the things that keep the body, you know, unified, built up. You know, it's really hard to eat and feed yourself if you don't have hands, right? It's really hard to dress yourself and take care of yourself if you didn't have hands. It'd be really hard to um um eat at all if you didn't have a head. Right? And your feet couldn't get you to food. So these outer, these extremities, if you want to call them that, it's really not, but but they're important because they form the the outline and pull the body together. Okay. So apostles. Apostles and, and I've heard people say it, and it's so wrong, um, that the apostles, once, once Jesus' apostles died out, that, that ministry died out. And I'm going, no, no. It's a very unique ministry. Um, and they are messengers who were sent forth. Um, Faye Bedry, and I think a lot of you know Faye, she's an apostle. She just goes wherever the Lord tells her. Um, Walter was another one. You know, he'd get on a plane without a penny in his pocket and God would provide everything. And he'd come to places like Bedford County of all places and sit in our Sunday school class and, and teach and preach. He wasn't before thousands like Billy Graham as an evangelist. He just traveled around from place to place wherever the Holy Spirit sent him, phased the same way, and they take the gospel with them, the good news, they're not particularly um, preaching an evangelistic gospel trying to get everybody in the kingdom. But what they do is is they bring their vessel and they impart whatever charismata whatever anointings the Holy Spirit has for them to impart. And it depends on what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And they're usually small group settings. They're not you know, big settings. They're usually small groups. But these humble people just go out everywhere into those areas and and do those things. Um, And it's a necessary part of the body. It's a necessary part. Um, You know, you can get a lot out of um, hearing somebody like Reinhard Bonnke on TV, but you get a whole lot more when Faye Beggery is sitting in your living room and you're just talking about the word. You know, There's, there's a different feeding. One of the neatest Apostles, I ever met was a man named Norman Grubb. He, um, if anybody, if you've heard of it, he is one of his books that he wrote was called Reese Howell's Intercessor. It was way back in the 70s when he wrote it. It's the book, it was written so long ago, it's the book that Pat Robertson got hold of that um, opened the door to Birth 700 Club. You know, I mean, you know, his writing is very powerful. But that little man in his old age um, lived in Utah with his daughter and um, in his 80s and his 90s she'd put him in the car and they'd drive all over the country. And how he'd end up in places, the Lord knows. But he, he showed up several times in Opelika and we'd sit around in different people's houses and just talk and he would feed us with such good Food. But he wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't a pastor. He was an apostle, just sent out to touch people in different places. And if you think about Paul, and I mean, yeah, they did preach before big crowds, but mostly they just went into homes like Cornelius' house. You know, they went into small synagogues and towns. They went into people's houses and taught out of people's houses. They weren't, uh, they didn't have big amphitheaters, you know, with 30,000 people there. They, they just went from house to house to house. And what did they do? They taught the people, imparted blessings, whatever the Holy Spirit had to be done. People were healed. People were ministered to. That's what an apostle does. And we have apostles in the body now, and they're important. They're very important. Um, so don't ever belittle that calling. Don't ever belittle it. Prophets, that's that's pretty easy. All of us are called to Prophesy. Every one of us is called to prophesy. That that we're called to do. But a prophet standing in the office of the prophet is becomes the spokesperson, the mouthpiece for God and usually he is speaking to the future based on current conditions. Standing in a current place he is speaking to the future. That's what the office of the prophet does. Um, Rick Joyner is probably one that most of you have heard of, Morning Star Ministries. Um, Kim Clement is a very unusual prophet. He he's, um, um, does his to music. and um, um, Although Faye, the last time she was here, sang prophecy over us. It was beautiful. Um, but um, Kim Clement is a prophet. And there are so many in the body and the prophets are important. Um, And you need to listen to the prophets. But I will tell you this about the office of the prophet. and, And this makes me uncomfortable. Because in these last days there are some who are truly prophesying by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there are some, just like back in the Old Testament, who would prophesy in their own flesh. And I will tell you this, nothing that comes out of the mouth of a prophet... Will go against scripture. If you can't find scripture to back up what they're saying, then discount it. Because God is never going to speak outside of His word. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And um, but a prophet will speak to things coming. You know, like in our country, concerns, things to, you know, for you to look for, things for you to be careful about, um, not to alarm you, but to arm you okay that's what a prophet does they don't speak to scare you they speak to prepare you I can't believe I'm talking in rhymes forgive me I don't know where that's coming from thank you Holy Spirit we like poetry (laughs) the next one is teachers now you have to be careful with this this word is didaskalos which is the office of a teacher every one of us is called to teach we're going to read lots of scripture about that um that that you, we're all called to teach we take what we know and we give it to somebody else we share we build up we encourage we share scriptures we give insights from little revelations that we've all had everybody's called to teach but the person who stands in the office of a teacher Paul says hell burns hotter for them which makes you nervous doesn't it are those who undertake the work of teaching with a supernatural anointing from the Holy Spirit and a supernatural revelation of the Word, okay, um, you know I, I think about um, like Joseph Prince and mm-hmm. Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, and they're all so anointed um, in in rightly dividing the Word. And man, what comes out of their mouths is just like steak, just like the most. Fabulous filet mignon you've ever put in your mouth. Um, you know, you can always eat a plateful of whatever they're dishing up um, because there's such an anointing on it. Even if you know what they're talking about and you understand it and it isn't a deep revelation, it's always food for the Spirit. And um, so that anointing needs to be there if they're going to stand in the office of a teacher. Um, but just because you stand in the office of a teacher doesn't mean that's where you're going to be forever. So don't ever get comfortable where you are, because God's gonna move you from place to place to place. And you might even stand in two offices. There are some that stand in the office of a prophet and an evangelist. There are some that stand in two offices. There are people who, you know, are called to do, you know, start out as a pastor and end up as an evangelist, start out here and end there. You don't know what God wants to do with you. And so you just be that humble vessel and let him put you where you need to be. If you want to be effective. If you don't want to be effective then just go your own way. But if you want to be effective then you're going to need to be that vessel that he can use. Okay the next are evangelists. And they're a special breed of people. They have an anointing that causes them to be able to cut through all that every high thing, every imagination, all rationalizations that men throw up and pierce you right to the heart with the gospel and your need for salvation. There is that anointing on them that when they open their mouth and speak, people get convicted and and want to be saved. And they can't talk about anything else. I find that when I'm talking to an evangelist, I don't care what the conversation is, it comes back to Jesus is Lord and you need to be saved. And, and they can't talk about anything else. They can't focus on anything else. They're just they're driven people to get everybody into the kingdom. And they're on fire for it, especially when they're a yielded vessel. Um, and of course we know Billy Graham. If you want another on fire evangelist, think about John the Baptist. He couldn't have done anything else. There was no way he could not have been that evangelist. Preaching about the coming of Jesus. Get ready. Prepare yourself. You know, uh, humble your heart. Look at your sin. Know you need a Savior. He's coming. He was an awesome evangelist. Peter in Acts 2, what a picture of an evangelist there. 3,000 saved the first day. And all he could do is talk about getting people in the kingdom. That's all he could think about. But that really wasn't, you know, that wasn't all of the offices that he stood in. You know, he stood as a pastor. You know, the head of the church, and then James was the pastor over the head of the church in Jerusalem. And, but they all were on fire to be evangelists, and they were apostles. So you know, you 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 can stand in a lot of places, but you just got to be ready to do it. And pastors, and this is kind of my this is one of the biggest breakdowns in the body to me. Okay, pastors are really important in the body but they're not more important than anybody else. They are a part of the body that's visible, but they're not the, the body. They're just a pastor. So what is a pastor? It's poimen uh, is, the, is the word in the Greek, but it, they're a herdsman. They're a shepherd. They're an overseer and a manager. All right. So just think about the shepherd. He has this big flock of sheep. So what does he try to do? He tries to keep his sheep together, tries to keep them healthy he leads them to good grass and good water he defends them against the attack of wolves and coyotes and whatever and then he 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 makes sure that the herd keeps multiplying you know that the flock keeps multiplying and um when you have a true pastor that's what they do now we because of i think because of TV, have come to the place where we think a pastor ought to be a teacher, evangelist, prophet, you know, everything. Um, But a pastor is a pastor and they don't get it all right and I have found over the years that pastors need us a lot more than we need them. Um, They need us to pray for them, to support them. Do they get it all right? Oh no. I love our pastor but you know sometimes I have to just go like la 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 you know but that's okay I just do my own Bible study you know sitting in the pew but it's all right you know I I can't be responsible for that what I am responsible for is to love him and to support him in that role okay it's a 15 minute speech right and that's what he does. But but Jeff, in particular, and I've had so many pastors that are really good at this. Um, they don't feed you. You can't get fed in twenty minutes. You know, if we had a Bible study that lasted twenty minutes here, what's the point? You know, we barely get started here. Um, But he's going to lead you to food. So he's the one up there saying, get in these small groups. Get into Bible study. He opened a Bible study on Tuesday nights. We never had one before. There are 30 and 40 people here every Tuesday night. Um, He's leading them to food. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. He can't make you drink, but he knows where the food is. He has, I mean, and I know. I've seen him do the hard things. He weeds through the teacher's. And he knows who's teaching what in this church. And he knows who's right on. And he has invited teachers to leave, which is a hard thing to do. But he has done that. He has defended this body fiercely. He has stood up when people are in error, real error, and um, you don't see him doing those things. But he has fiercely guarded this body. And then you ask yourself, what is going on here? When Bill and I came back here 20 years ago, there were about 350 members. We have over 600 members now. And that's a big church. 600 members is a big church. And we have another 200 to 250 who come regularly that don't belong. So, what has happened, you know, in that amount of time? So, you have to think. He is a good pastor. Now is he the best at everything? No. He's not. He's just a guy. He's just a man. But boy, I have seen him take his shepherd's crook and defend this body and fight with everything in him to protect us from the attack of the enemy. And I have seen him do a lot of things in this church that people just don't know about. Um, does he stumble over his own feet? Absolutely. But then, don't we all? You know, does he miss stuff? Yeah, he does miss stuff. But um, he doesn't deliberately do things to, you know, to make people mad. And what we have to do is just accept that we've got a really good shepherd here. Um, he's not a perfect man by any means, but he is a good shepherd. And if you look at the growth of the flock and the health of this body and what's going on here in this church and the life that's in the youth and the young adults and the, um, the ministries going on in this church, yeah, the children's ministry, I mean, it's explosive. And um, did Jeff do it all? No. But he knows how to organize the sheep. You know, He knows how to herd us all in there and get us in the right place. And then he just lets people do it. You know, he, we, we, he broke us free of all these committees that was choking the life out of the church, put one big committee in to oversee everything. He's got us moving in directions that, honestly, um, people all over the state are looking at our church and going, oh, my gosh, what is going on there? You know, Jeff is asked to go lots of places and teach pastors um, what to do to be a pastor. Um, it, it's, what we have is miraculous here but having said that he can't do that if we're not praying for him he can't be the man that God wants him to be unless the body the rest of us are lifting him up but a pastor is just that a pastor and and that's what he's called to do he's just a pastor he's not a teacher he's not a, you know not an evangelist he's just a good solid pastor he loves people He loves people, and um, that's good. But then you just think, "Thank God we've got a lot of good people, evangelists, and people you know who who are interested in in getting folks saved around here." And we've got all that. And and where the body's weak, if we can pray it in, you know, we can pray it in, because that's what the whole body does. Okay. So now, having said that, that's just like the outside shape of the body. All right. But nothing works unless everything's working. If you don't have a spinal column, nothing's working. If you don't have a heart beating, nothing's working. And I will tell you this, this is the way I look at it. And this is one of the, the lamest areas in the church. And that is prayer. The whole body of Christ in Acts was a prayer meeting. Every time they got together it was a prayer meeting. That's what they did they prayed and then they talked about the word and they praised God but it was it was a prayer meeting and they got together all the time and prayed and that was the engine that drove the church. The prayer was the engine that drove the church And so we ought to be about that as intercessors you know we, that's not a, a calling on your life like a gifting, every one of us needs to be a part of that in some way. We all need to be a part of that. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the charismata. The super abundant manifestations of grace. Now that we've got those big offices in place the rest of us just kind of filter out where we need to be. And if you're a good vessel you don't have to worry about it. God's going to put you right where He wants you. Okay, and and maybe you're not on a committee at the church, but you know what? Maybe you are um, the heart of your office. You know, maybe you're the heartbeat of your office. Maybe you, you know, I I always just felt like, you know, I used to tell people when I taught school, it it's not a it's not a profession. It's a calling. Mm-hmm. You know, and and when you look at what you do every day, it's a calling on your life, wherever you are. I don't care where you are, it's a calling, it's not a job. And when you go at it like that every day, then you go out looking for ways for God to use you to bless somebody, and and it makes all the difference in the world in the way you work, you know, and the way you feel about your life and the way you feel about things. Don't ever think that the, what you're doing. Because I went through this when I retired. Don't ever feel like what you're doing is not important anymore. You know, I just felt like, what am I? I'm a nothing. I'm a nothing. I'm a big fat nothing. You know, and I went through that pity party thing. Lord, I just not I just can't. No, I have a checklist. I don't know that I'm doing anything. Yeah, you know, and and the Lord said, just relax. Uh, You know, whose vessel are you? I, I got you. Don't worry about it. And um, the, when, but when you relax, you just start to flow in it. You know, you begin to feel all right about it. But um, I was so busy running my own vessel for so many years, it was just really hard to sit on the shelf for a minute. But God wants you to sit on the shelf. He wants you to be still. He wants you to listen. You know, He wants you to to be where He wants you to be. So, and I know He fired me. I didn't have any doubt about that. I kept saying, "I'll teach until He fires me," and He fired me. So I I know that was right. It just didn't feel right. You know. So, Lana Allen is retiring at the end of February, too. So, you know, I told her, I said, well, just welcome to the weird club. You know, we're, but it's all right. You know, it'll be good.
1: Were you humiliated to be seen out in grocery stores or other places? Yeah. During weekdays?
0: Yeah. And people would say, absolutely mm-hmm.
1: humiliated and embarrassed. Oh, my like, goodness. Yeah. What is she doing out here? She should be at work.
0: Yeah. And people would say, so what are you doing now? And you go <laughs> nothing, and they go. Oh, I thought you'd be just doing everything, traveling and going, and right. I'm right. going. Maybe I should. You know what am I missing? I I might have messed up here. Yeah, we'll but, really talking, I'm really
1: glad. Yeah,
0: yeah. Me too. I'm there now. I'm I'm in it. But that first little bit, I think it's because we're Type A people. You know, we're sort of driven. You got to have that checklist to feel accomplishments. You know, feel like you've accomplished something. I'm
1: the only one that never felt this one. I don't know, but it's a blessing.
0: So right. It's a blessing. Thinking out
1: there where I could be used
0: more by the See, so you, you had a good attitude about. It. You <laughs> had a great attitude about it. I just. One's still working. <laughs> Wow, are you too weird well this there's a three of you because this bill's still oh, working God. too still. yeah he's working at it he's yeah. playing and working but <laughs> He's still working. I think. I think that's more sanity. He has to get out of the house. Yeah. I think he had a dry spell where he hadn't been in the office in a while, and I think it was a Friday, and it was like lunchtime, and all of a sudden I hear this. Oh, I got to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Go into the office. When Go. So yeah. So it was kind of confirmation he's not quite ready to retire <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even picking on him or anything, but he just. <laughs> at that moment and I thought oh Bill bless your heart mm. you'll know won't you baby (laughs) yeah I laughed when he pulled out the driveway I was like oh my god that is too funny well okay let's just move on here and let's start with Matthew 28 these are old scriptures but the book's old so we're not surprised are we (laughs) Matthew 28 This is, you know, these are all Jesus' last words. So they're pretty important. Then we're going Mark and then we're going John and then we're going James. So but what I want you to see is that we're not exempt from any of this. We're not exempt from preaching or teaching or evangelizing or anything else. None of us are exempt. It's just we don't stand in that office. But if you have to preach, my goodness, some, if, and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the anointing will be there for your preaching to be powerful. You know, and if you're teaching somebody, there will be an anointing there to help you teach somebody what they need to know. It it'll be there. But we are none of us exempt from any of this. Okay, even shepherding to a degree. You know. You, we're all in small groups. We shepherd each other. We, you know, and if you've ever been a parent, you know what that is. That's it's not even. That's like herding cats. <laughs> it's, it's not sheep even. And if you got pets, you know what that's like too. Same thing. Okay, <clears throat> look at verse eighteen, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. It's in red, so don't argue with me. Talk to him about it. All power is given to me. That word power is um, the word for authority, exousia. Um, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You go therefore and teach all nations. You go and baptize them. That would be evangelizing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. Now go to Mark 16. So there's your teaching and your preaching, really. But Mark 16 will fill in some gaps here. Mark 16, start with verse 14. Afterwards, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen and he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel so we're all to preach we're all to evangelize in that sense to every creature and he that believes is baptized shall be saved but he that believes not shall be damned and these signs this is like these charismata Will follow them um, that believe. Okay, everybody around this table is of them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up servants serpents. Now that doesn't mean you're gonna, you know, get into one of those snake worshiping <laughs> services. But Paul had it, you know, he He um, was building that fire, you know, and the snake bit him. And he just shook it off and he went on his way. Nothing's going to harm you when you're out there, you know, doing God's thing. When that anointing is on you and you're where you need to be, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Okay? Um, You shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Healing should come through us as an anointing. When anybody around you is sick, you should be bold enough to lay hands on them and pray for them. And don't be afraid. Um, That's our biggest thing. We have fear of that. What if it doesn't work? Well, you know what? If you don't try it, you don't even get a chance at it. You know, um, I will say this. God never said no. Healing's in his name. and uh, Just saying that.
1: You're not doing the healing anyway that's right have to trust the God that's right
0: the and we're not telling him what to do vessel. he already <laughs> did it that's exactly and we're not, right
1: we're that and
0: feet. that's right and we're not telling God what to do when we pray for somebody to be healed we're simply releasing what he already did at the cross mm-hmm. just okay. just say it okay um go to um, John chapter 14. This is, you know, the upper room. Start with verse ten, because this speaks to what Tina was just saying. It's not us that does it anyway. Um, in the uh, in um, the book that I'm reading, um, Fresh Wind, um, Jim Simbala is talking about, um, you know, the Holy Spirit in you. And he does the works, you know. And he says the church needs to get their mind around that. Jesus did not operate in this world as God, he operated in this world as a man baptized in the Holy Spirit and walking in the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. So the charismata were manifested through him. That's how he walked in the earth. So that means we're without excuse. He says, if if he did that, then he's saying, so will you. And, you Even know. Greater things. That's right. And that's where we're going right now. But I thought, he said that so well. And I thought, yeah, we need to think about that. You know.
1: Well, he said, I do nothing of myself. That's mm-hmm. right. I say what my father tells me to say, and mm-hmm. I do what my father tells
0: me to that's do. That's right. It's, it's all. It's all. That's exactly right. Start with verse 10, and there it is, Santa. Do you believe not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. So whatever comes through him, believe that's the Father and not him. Verily I say to you, he that believes on me, that's us, The works that I do he will do also in greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father and whatsoever you ask in my name that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son and if you ask anything in my name I will do it. If you love me keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. This is how you're going to do the things he did. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not neither knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Okay? Now go to James chapter 5.
1: Sorry. J- uh,
0: James chapter 5. Okay. All right, start with verse 13. Um, the word afflicted here is um, the word that means um well it's kakeopatheo k- 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 oh and it means under hardship enduring hardness and suffering trouble so it doesn't necessarily mean sickness okay this is enduring hardship um. And suffering from troubles, okay, and and suffering from troubles. So is any among you enduring hardships or suffering from troubles? Let him pray. Okay, That's, that's the first thing we all do is pray. We're all called intercessors. We're all called to pray for us and for one another. Is any Mary, let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. The word save there is sozo, which is delivered, defended, protected, and healed is part of that. So it doesn't mean just get them born again. The prayer of faith will also heal them. And the Lord will raise them up. You and I don't do it. The Lord will do it. Okay. Um, confess your faults one to another pray for one another that you may be healed so we are to pray for one another to be healed the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much and we need to be effectual fervent prayers every one of us are called to do that Um, go to 1 Corinthians 14 We'll start with First Corinthians twelve, and then we'll flip to fourteen. First Corinthians twelve. okay? First Corinthians twelve. We stopped at verse twenty-eight. <clears throat> We're just going to read one verse here. One we didn't read a little, a little while ago. I'm doing this kind of in order, excuse me, because it does look like we're redundant, but we're just going to read a different um, verse here. <clears throat> just verse 31. <coughs> okay, Paul says, But covet earnestly the best Charismata. The best gifts. Um, Covet means to desire something that doesn't belong to you. Mm -hmm. So what you are doing is desiring for the manifestations of the Charismata that aren't yours. But the Holy Spirit's. And the word best there is a word that means helpful or beneficial. Beneficial. Helpful or beneficial. <coughs> so <coughs> we covet those charismata to manifest that are most helpful and beneficial to us when we need them. <coughs> um, look at 14. <coughs> Verse 1 follow after love but desire and that means earnestly yearn for spiritual charismata. And what I find in the church even among spirit filled people is this Well, if God wants me to have that he'll give it to me. And my, my answer back is, yeah, he already has. Mm-hmm. All of the Holy Spirit is in you. So all of the charismata are present. But there is something in the desiring and the asking. You have to ask to receive. He's not going to dump on you like a robot and make you do things and have things happen through you that you have no control over. Thank you, baby. Okay. He is not um, going to force you to do something. If you don't desire with a passion to have those charismata manifest in your life, they won't. And if you're just lukewarm about it or just like, oh, whatever, they're not going to manifest. You have to desire it. Go after it. Yearn for it. And covet. Desire those things that don't belong to you to be manifested in your life. If you don't have the desire, it isn't going to happen. Okay, one more little scripture here. Just, you know, out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. Look at verse 31. Um, I'm sorry verse 39 Um, chapter 14 you're still in 14 aren't you okay go over to verse 39 therefore brethren covet to prophesy all of us should desire to prophesy. Now, in that sense, the word prophesy just means to speak a word from the Lord to somebody. Um, he may just want to say something to a small body or a group where you are. And if you feel led to speak, you know, something that God says, okay, do it. But desire to be able to do that. You have to go after these things if you want them to manifest. You can't just let it go. All right covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues um, let all things be done decently and in order um, you can't when you start saying okay I, I want to see this in the body but I don't want that mm-hmm. you know you you're not only determining about your own little vessel but you're trying to determine that for the whole body. You know, where do you get off? It's not your body. It's the body of Jesus Christ. And when you start to do that and shut things down, that's when the body is impotent. You know. Um, Are you out on the cutting edge when you're dealing with flesh? Oh my, yes. The church at Corinth was a mess. A complete mess. People were ginning up everything in their own flesh and acting stuff out and acting out and, and it was a mess and Paul had to straighten it out You know, his letters don't make me come over there <laughs> basically that's what he said because I'm coming and take care of it but um, you know you, you have to be in a place where um, you're that again that willing vessel and don't ever quench the spirit don't ever quench the spirit um, do you test the spirits? Yes, and there are lunatics that have shown up in this church, and they 've been asked out. So you test the spirits um, <clears throat> i 've seen the crazy ladies dancing in the aisle and falling down and acting like nutballs, and Jeff just very politely taken by the hands and said, get out. Thank you um, <laughs> right. But he's very firm with that because that's not the way it's done. Everything is done in order and um, um, you test that spirit and Jeff does have that discernment that, um, and God's given him that supernatural discernment to know what the spirits are about. Um, it's interesting when you, you know, when you watch it happen. But um, okay, We're in 1 Corinthians, so just back up to 12 a minute. (coughs) Um, Because I want to clear up one more little piece of scripture here. Go back to verse 28. Um, (coughs) He's talking about the body. And he says, God has set some in the church... First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, there's a phrase there. After that, do you see that? Workers at miracles. Mhm. Yeah, but it's a little phrase before miracles, and it it says after that. Well, this is what what he's saying there. Once you have the offices set in place, after that, these charismata and these abilities will show up. Once you have the body organized, this is what you can expect to see showing up. So after he's set them, then you'll see miracles, then you'll see gifts of healings, then you'll see helps at a supernatural level, governments at a supernatural level, and diversities of tongues at a supernatural level. But the body has to be set right. when. They set up these crazy lists, these gift lists. They just list everything as if that's a gift, and that's a gift, and that's a gift, and that's a gift.
1: That's a gift.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. The, the offices are set, and then these charismata begin to show up in the body. That this is the way the body begins to work: helps and governments and miracles and healings and you know all those things will begin to manifest themselves when the body is in order, when the body's set in place. Um. Okay. When it talks about diversities of tongues here, in this particular verse, he's talking there about tongues with interpretation of tongues, which is a charismata. Okay, it is. It is a prophecy uh, manifestation and it's mostly for, um, it's mostly for unbelievers um, it is not common but you do hear it um, I was watching TV not too long ago listening to a pastor and, and in the back of the church somebody came up you know, and spoke in tongues and then somebody on the other side of the room interpreted it was beautiful and, um, um, but it doesn't happen very often But when that happens, you know there are unbelievers in the audience that need to hear that, whatever it is. Okay. The other is your prayer language. Okay. Um, It was kind of interesting when Tina—I was praying for
1: Tina—and
0: I don't usually, you know, just like use my prayer language when I'm just praying for somebody. And um, I didn't know where Tina was and all that, but I just felt like the Lord led me to pray in the spirit. So I was praying for her right in here. And I laid hands on her and I prayed for her and started praying in the spirit. And all of a sudden she said, do you know what you said? And I said, no. And she said, well, I do. And there was tongues and interpretation of tongues right there. She knew exactly what I said. I don't know what I said yet, Tina said, but I know what you yeah, said. Yeah, I called
1: so. you the next day we were talking about yeah. what was going on in my own in my life and my life, right. and all that. And, and uh, you'd pre- walked the room here, and and then you took me over to the library. Mm -hmm. We sat down, you laid hands, and you started speaking. I was in the early stages
0: of speaking in my prayer language.
1: It was all so amazing to me.
0: It is amazing.
1: And, you know, you listen to other people praying in tongues, like at Monday night prayer group, and everybody has a different way of sounding. Mm -hmm. And to me, this was just totally awesome. And I called you up, and we were talking about all this. And I and then this, I said uh, about you laying hands and praying in tongues. And, tons and <coughs> I, I mentioned about uh, well, your 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 prayer language sounded more like Latin, mm-hmm. but mine sounded more like Mandarin right. and Chinese. Yeah. And we were talking about that. And I said, Do you know what you were saying when you were praying over me? And that's when you said, No, well, I knew, but and I she told didn't. you. Yeah. Exactly what you were saying over.
0: And that that is charismatic in action. Tina needed that and I needed that. Yeah. Both of us needed it that. It was a revelation. Mm-hmm. It is. And um so um you you can't take it lightly. It it always has meaning for everybody, even the person who's speaking. And um, between the two of us there it was. Yeah. You know. It just, but it doesn't happen as often as just regular prophesying in the body, which is what you want. Paul says you all need to be speaking in everybody's understanding so everybody gets blessed, you know. Prayer language, your prayer language is something entirely different. Um, And and we're going to go through that.
1: Sandy, can I just share something? Yeah. When I received my prayer language, I happened to be singing at the time, which was perfect for me. Mm -hmm. But um, I used that that particular prayer language for I'll say a couple months and suddenly one day it changed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it will change. Over time mm-hmm. it evolves yeah, well, it was just it was just it just changed and it, it alarmed me so that I had to call Russ Bixler and say, <laughs>
0: "Is that oh, yeah, that's okay." <laughs> yeah. And he said,
1: well, "That's actually showing you that is the Holy Spirit because mm-hmm. if you get into right just praying those things that you have gotten into a habit of praying mm-hmm. but when it changes yeah you know it's because right. well. you go i didn't say that yes right yeah it was amazing
0: it, was fun it is amazing
1: brought that up
0: yeah mine really yeah. evolved
1: yeah. through these the years yeah. and we are expanded. About to get there. but the thing is Oops. during and the after. last change in it i was saying words and I didn't know what they meant at the time. And then when I started uh, trying to study Hebrew, I found out what some of those words meant. And they were words that always were coming up. Mm-hmm. And they were Hebrew words. And I didn't know Hebrew when I originally started saying it. Right. So it's,
0: it's amazing mm-hmm. what the Holy Spirit would do yeah. Yeah. with that language. Yeah, and he knows. He knows what he's he doing. What, we don't. What right. you're saying, right? And what an act of faith that is. But we'll we're going to really talk about. We're really going to get into that prayer language and talk. I, uh, I didn't think we needed to, but the Lord just has taken me back there and back there. So I'm going. Okay, if old hands need it, then everybody needs it. So you know, we just we just need a good reminder. And well,
1: it's such a mystery to so many people. to mm-hmm. have an understanding. Still, mm-hmm. come up with questions like this, Right. Mhm. You know. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Right. And um, so we're going. We're going to chew this thing up. If, if for no other reason than so we can tell somebody else. Yes. You know. So we're just going to take it all apart. But what else have we got to do? Right. <laughs> all right. So let me just pray for everybody. Father I just want to thank you for your word thank you for the Holy Spirit thank you for every grace that you have poured out in our lives in such abundance Father I ask that you use us this week we do commit to you to be a willing vessel and Holy Spirit help us where we're not willing to to, to bring that part of us um, under control under under you Lord by the Spirit of God we just desire to glorify you, make you glorious in the earth. When people see us, when we minister to people, I just ask that they not see us at all, but rather that they see you, Jesus. Um, Father, we ask this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for the answers. Amen.